Hello. Welcome to the FPS podcast series. This is podcast number 25, Definitized Contract Actions, also known as UCA. My name is Todd Hatherley, and I'm the Director of Programming for Federal Publication Seminars, a leader in federal government contract training and professional development for the last 60 years. And every year, Federal Publication Seminars trains thousands of businesses, federal agencies, and individuals on legal, regulatory, compliance, and accounting nuances found in the federal regulations through nationwide classroom, online, and in-house sessions. These podcasts are really just a small sampling of content you, as a contracting professional, can expect from attending an FPS program. Whether you're doing it in person or online, live or on demand, you can't find another source of breadth and depth of experience, knowledge, and content anywhere. So please visit us at fedpubseminars.com for more information. Joining me today is Deborah Nixon of Crosshair Advisors. Deb has years of experience in assisting GovCon customers with compliance, audits, and accounting issues. She's also a longtime FedPubs instructor teaching like classes like the basics of government contract accounting to master's level accounting courses. How are you today, Deb? I'm great, Todd, and it's always nice to be invited to participate in one of your podcasts. Often used and frequently under, misunderstood letters of contracts is what we're going to talk about today, also known as UCAS. So um, tell us a little bit about what we're going to learn today. Sure. We're going to talk about undefinitized contract actions, also referred to as UCAS or also called letter agreements. So when we talk about a UCA or a letter contract, let's first look at the definition. FAR Part 16 defines a letter contract as a written preliminary contractual instrument that authorizes the contractor to begin immediately manufacturing supplies or performing services. Letter contracts or UCAS are a binding commitment used when the government or a higher tier contractor require immediate start and negotiating a definitized contract is not possible. The FAR requires these contracts to be definitized within 180 days of the letter contract award or before completion of 40% of the statement of work, whichever occurs first. And associated with letter contracts, we have issues related to some recent changes. In addition to, we're going to discuss the certified cost or pricing data and the cost accounting standards or CAS implications. Deb, how common are these UCAs or letters of contract? And why are they used? Uh, letter contracts, Todd, they are common and used in a variety of circumstances by both the U.S. government as well as higher tier contractors, um, primes with their subcontractors, as you, you previously mentioned. In manufacturing contracts, for example, when the manufacturing process requires long lead items that must be initiated to meet the downstream schedule, oftentimes a yuga will be entered into um, to allow for the fabrication or the initiation of ordering that um, a supply prior to the definitization of the contract. Likewise, with service contracts, let's say we have a sole source contractor who is being awarded a contract 
but they must have an approved accounting system to support the contract award. Their system isn't approved. So the government says, let me enter into an undefinitized contract action. And you, contractor, take that period of definitization and that 180 days to remediate your accounting system so you can have, get an adequate on your accounting system and thus we can definitize the contract. So they're used both in manufacturing and services contracts. And I, I raised this topic because I thought it would be a good subject for one of your podcasts because I get a lot of questions in this area. There's often some confusion around these types of contracts. And um, it's something that I'm seeing more and more of. And in light of the recent changes, I thought we could um, do for a little clarification on the topic. Yeah, definitely. So DOD revised regulations in the past few years. And so what are some of those changes and how recent changes, how are the recent changes impacting both primes and subs? Great question. Recently, it was around September 2019, um, DFAR's regulation made changes, and some of those changes focus on three areas. First, they focused on reducing the often protracted timelines that are common to UGAs. This happens at both the prime as well as the subcontractor levels and has the impact of reducing cost risk, which unfortunately translates into reduced profit. The second area associated with the um, regulatory changes was protecting contractor cost risk, which we refer to as profit margins. And lastly, there is increased monitoring on letter contracts or UGAs to facilitate the closure of these undefinitized contracts in a timely manner that is compliant with the regulations. For a long time, slow definitization has plagued letter contracts. The protracted definitization often extends beyond the first 180 days of contract performance, thus it's reducing contractor risk. That contractor risk is reduced because UGAs are treated as cost-reimbursable contracts prior to definitization. And flexibly priced contracts like cost reimbursable, SAM or the prime in the case of subcontractors share the risk with the contractor, thus eroding profit margins. This is particularly true in fixed price contract negotiations. And when you think about basic economics, economics tells us that the greater the risk assumed by the company, the greater the opportunity for reward. The weighted guidelines profit models uses this economic principle uh, when they uh, were calculating fee eligibility on contracts. For example, cost-type contracts are eligible for lower fee or profitability due to that sheared performance risk associated with the contract type. Now, Todd, I know this may come as a surprise to you, but sometimes SAM and higher tier contractors use letter contracts or UCAS as leverage to reduce contractor 
profitability by extending the contracts, the letter contract on and on and on, oftentimes beyond the allowed initial 180 days. And this serves to reduce the profitability to the letter contract holder. Other changes and regulations are focused on protecting the contractor's risk. So the regulations say if the contractor submits a qualified proposal, that qualified proposal will serve as the baseline for profitability as opposed to that latter period in time when the contract is finally definitized. So it protects that cost risk associated with those fixed price contracts protects that performance risk and the associated fee eligibility. The last thing we're seeing is that there is this push to reduce the protracted, continuing to extend and extend and extend a letter contract by monitoring and reporting. So DOD is requiring contracting officers to report two times a year, semi-annually, to the DOD all UCAs that are exceeding or estimated to exceed $5 million. And they also want to see the definitization plan. So they're trying to say, hey, how can we speed up the definitization while protecting the cost risk or profitability associated with these undefinitized contracts? What are some of the common issues that contractors are facing when administering letter contracts or UCAs? First thing to think about, and this is the area where I get a lot of questions, is related to certified cost or pricing data, as well as cost accounting standards. So first, let's take a look at certified cost or pricing data. Letter contracts are not certified at the letter contract award. Letter contracts, assuming you're not eligible for one of the exceptions from certified cost or pricing data, like adequate price competition or commercial items, are certified upon definitization when there's not an applicable exception from the certification. This direction is plainly stated in FAR Part 15. So no certified cost or pricing data is required when we enter into the letter contract if we are not otherwise eligible for an exception from certified cost or pricing data, then we will certify upon definitization. Now, certified cost or pricing data is different from CAS and our CAS trigger analysis that's used for letter contracts. Unlike certified cost or pricing data and the FAR, the CAS does not specifically address the treatment for letter contracts. So we must look to the CAS working group guidance for direction. First and foremost, we must remember that CAS is characterized at contract award. And this in and of itself presents a conundrum. Which award? Is it the award of the undefinitized contract action or letter contract? 
Or is it the award of the definitized contract? And when we think about this, in terms of CAS, the working group guidance tells us that the letter contract is the contract award, that definitization of the letter contract is treated as a modification and our CAS working group guidance tells us that modifications within the terms and conditions of the anticipated contract do not change the characterization of CAS. So in summary, Letter contracts, CAS is characterized at contract award and the award of the letter contract triggers CAS if we're not otherwise eligible for a CAS exemption like adequate price competition or the small business exemption. And when it comes time to definitize the contract, that definitization is treated for CAS purposes like a modification and will not change the characterization that was initially determined with the letter contract award. So as um, I often talk about triggering a certified cost or pricing data and triggering CAS, we've got different regulations with different exceptions, different exemptions that we must analyze in order to understand whether we've triggered the requirements associated with certified cost or pricing data and cost accounting standards. Question for you, Deb. I'm just as I think through this. So, yeah. just to reiterate, UCAs are an action within a contract that allows for the prime and the government to basically enter into an agreement without having something approved yet, like a business system or accounting system, right? Yes, it could be um, a business system, like an accounting system is not approved, so they can't, and you need an adequacy, let's say, in order to award that contract. Uh, but you have to get started. If you don't get started, then you won't be able to meet the schedule, the deadlines downstream. Or, like the example with the manufacturer yep. who needs to fabricate or order a long lead item, and if I don't order it today... I can't deliver it in accordance with the statement of work requirements tomorrow. And the contracting officer is the one that puts this letter together. In the case of the DOD, they actually have to report up anything over, was it $5 million, you said? Yes, $5 million, and it's an estimate um, it, that's reported up and monitored. All right, and it is more common than uh, in more recent times because of the revised regulations in the DOD. Yes. What, what's happened with the revised regulations is we have this increased focus on the reporting and also that focus on protecting or not shifting the cost risk and thus protecting, at least from a contractor standpoint, the profitability that would have been negotiated in that contract if they were able to definitize the contract earlier, you know, when they definit or awarded the letter contract. In closing, what advice do you have for contractors regarding letter contracts? Yes. Well, given the time-sensitive nature of letter contracts, often we execute the contract and clean it up later. And this is not a leading practice that I recommend, but oftentimes it's reality. 
as with any contract, documentation is critical, particularly when negotiating UCAS or letter agreements. First, documenting the proposal can facilitate meeting the definition of a qualified proposal and thus help to preserve margins. It behooves the contractor to provide a supportable proposal, one that can withstand audit as soon as practical. This kind of kicks in that preservation of the cost risk and thus the profit margin for the contractor. And secondly, documenting your understanding of whether we are eligible for an exception for certified cost or pricing data and whether we qualified for an exemption from cost accounting standards. Again, two separate regulations, and if not triggered, document why weren't those regulations triggered. What exceptions were applicable to certified cost or pricing data? What exemptions were we eligible for, for under the cost accounting standards? Whether we are a prime or a subcontractor, this is where the risk mitigation starts. Doing so will help you to avoid what I refer to as forensic contracting. And that is performing the analyses after the fact, which generally is more difficult and sometimes too late to protect your margins and mitigate your contract risk. Thank you, Deb. I hope this will help clear up some uh, issues that contractors and confusion, I should say, of some contractors have regarding letters of contract, letter contracts or, or UCAs. So I appreciate your time. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they? Oh, well, uh, you can reach me at my email, deborah.nixon at crosshairadvisors.com, or you could take one of my classes at Federal Pubs, which I'm generally doing something about once a month for Federal Pubs. Yeah, exactly. We, uh, we're excited for 2022. We have a lot of new classes coming up uh, in classroom this time. So we hope to get over that hump of uh, doing virtuals and now back in the classroom. It's a lot more fun, a lot more networking. So we hope to see everyone in one of our courses soon. And as always, if you have topics you want us to cover in a podcast, please send me a note at todd at fedpubseminars.com. Until next time, stay safe, keep your distance, and read the FAR. Bye.